Hey, welcome to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. We're so glad you could be with us today. We're going to be connecting a lot of dots between what's going on in our culture uh, with the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And of course, this season is such an amazing season as we're uh, celebrating the greatest uh, event in human history, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We're excited about that. But before we get into that, I hope, I hope you noticed Pastor Andrew is modeling some beautiful new uh, Living Stones wear here today. Uh, this is going to be our new hoodie that's coming out. We're excited about that. Those are sharp looking. Yeah, nice and warm and comfy. I know. I, I, tr I tried mine on. We're, we're actually, the, these are not going public. This is, Andrew's just being our model today. Um, but uh, I want to also give a shout out to our friends at Bridge City uh, Church in the Pittsburgh, greater Pittsburgh area, Pastor Rick Paladin, for the wonderful uh, hoodie design that I stole unashamedly from stole from yeah. Pastor Rick. <laughs> so, hey, I will be sending you one of ours uh, as well, my brother. But, man, those those look really, really good. And they yes. are comfortable. Yeah, they are very comfortable. And they're going to be uh, they're gonna be going on sale on April 11th, the Sunday after Easter. And I believe we're going to offer them for the ridiculously low price of $30, which is, uh, which is a great deal. So make sure uh, April 11th, you guys bring your money and you can pick them up at the uh, Connection Center. So looking good. And on the back, we've got, go ahead and show that yeah, again. The... Got our nice big Livingstone logo uh, with our uh, four vision points along the side there. Uh, so uh, yeah, you did a nice job nice. on that. They are nice though, huh? Warm, yeah, comfy. Nice warm I, I, and comfy. I was wearing the, my my Bridge City one uh, yeah, a couple of days ago in the office, and it, yeah, it was it was nice. So it's nice for uh, for Midwestern spring weather, which we you know right. gets breezy and chilly. So right. not too hot, not too cold, just perfect. Yes, and just to let something else out of the bag here, you know, we're getting ready to. Uh, to get into a series after Easter on the Now campaign, and I'm gonna be preaching into the power of now and really seizing the moment, not just uh, for our church and for what God's put before us vision-wise, but just in, as a normal principle of life, you know, being somebody that uh, uh, understands the power of urgency, understands being proactive, not reactive. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so that's gonna be a great series. But for everybody that, uh, gets on board with the NOW campaign as far in terms of making a pledge, helping us financially to, to get this expansion project completed. Uh, we have a t-shirt that we wanna give to you that is also uh, gonna be here shortly that I think you're really, really gonna like. So man, we, we got the cool merchandise. <laughs> yeah, we've been everywhere. <laughs> going crazy designing t-shirts and hoodies and on the radar. I was unaware of it, I just. Put them on. Yeah, well, Enjoy. you're looking good, and uh, I think everybody's going to like these. But, you know, this is also uh, March Madness time. Anybody that's a basketball fan uh, knows that uh, the NCAA tournament is going on right now. And I don't know, do you get into that much? Uh, are you much of a basketball well, fan? Well, in the last six to eight months or so, I kind of turn off all sports because there's too much politics injected into sports. And, yeah. And I didn't need more of that in my life, so I turned. I mean, I used to love watching basketball. I don't yeah. watch. I don't watch NFL. I don't watch NBA. I don't watch college. You're basketball. just kind of fed up with it. Yeah, all because you know, in, inevitably, politics get injected into it, and I don't go watch sports for to to watch uh, politics and people pointing fingers at me and my faith. And especially, uh, yeah, especially yeah. the. That's my personal liberal. opinion, yeah. and I got a lot going on, so I was like, I don't need that right now in my life. So. Well, I happen to have a 16 year old at my house still, and yeah. uh, he said, Dad, Dad, we gotta we gotta fill out our brackets. You know, I get is, it. Yeah, no, I so, appreciate so, so, people watching it. Yeah, but I I didn't have a lot of knowledge going into uh, in, into my bracket selection sure. this year, 
Um, but I did uh, take a moment to uh, fill out the bracket, and uh, and uh, we'll talk about, I guess, the, the tournament, because in addition to a lot of upsets, uh, there was a, a Cinderella that we want to get to in just a moment. But yeah. before we do that, let's get back to... Uh, uh, we got a busy week. Uh, yeah. Good Friday coming up. Talk about that. Good for Friday, a little bit. we have two great services coming up. One at six o'clock. One at seven thirty. Uh, come on out. Come out early. Uh, come get your seats. We're not sure what the turnout will be like, but hopefully it will be packed. Yeah. For our good Friday service. Uh, but it's going to be really good. Yeah. And then uh, the highlight of our year, of course, is uh, Resurrection Sunday. Coming up this week on Sunday morning, we'll be offering our three services again, 8.30, 10 o'clock, and 11.45. Uh, we especially want to direct you to either our 8.30 service or our 11.45 service as there's uh, more room in both of those uh, services. So it's going to be amazing. And really, we're, we're following up on the series we've been in on Isaiah chapter 53, uh, which has been called uh, the, the Mount Everest of all Old Testament prophecy. It's amazing to me um, the, the incredible prophetic detail that Isaiah had 700 years before Jesus ever stepped foot on planet Earth. Yeah. Uh, and only the Holy Spirit can do that. In fact, if there's, if there's the, the loudest testimony, I guess, uh, for Old Testament prophecy, uh, I would argue Isaiah 53 is it. How you could look at that and read that and then compare that to the life of Jesus and what we're going to celebrate on Sunday— uh, and miss somehow the authority and the, and not just the uh, the prediction, but the validation that what what that revelation of Jesus that actually came to pass on on uh, Good Friday and then on Resurrection Sunday. It's amazing. I, I, I really like the progression you've taken. In the first week, you talk about sedition and the, the power of sin and impact it, the true feel weight of sin. Yep. And on this past Sunday, we talk about transfer. You know the the. The concept of uh, 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 transgression passed from one to another, uh, the the idea of the scapegoat. And it's interesting for yeah. some people who might not know. We use yeah. the word scape, scapegoat it's all the time. It's part of our English vocabulary. Yeah, we don't understand. Like literally, they did that to a goat and sent them off. And Jesus was the ultimate scapegoat. Yeah. But um, I, what's your? Just give us a little sneak peek here. What's going on Friday night and then Sunday? You know. Well, as you said, the the drama of the uh, of the Passion of the Christ. First of all, our treason. Yeah. Uh, we did not esteem him. We did not value him. We despised him. We rejected him. We didn't care, you know. Uh, and uh, that led to, as you said, the transfer. Christ's sin being transferred, or our sin being transferred to Christ, yeah. the sinless one. Uh, and we talked about that last week, the whole doctrine of substitutionary atonement. Uh, he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. 2 Corinthians 5.21, powerful verse. Yeah. And now we're going to the tragedy, which is Good Friday. Mm. And we're going to gaze upon the horror of what Jesus endured for us on the cross. Um, and even here, you know, it's amazing. The gospel writers, when they talk about the crucifixion, all four of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it, it, it only says, then they crucified him. Mm. I mean, we're talking about one sentence description of the agonies of the cross, which is pretty stunning. Um, it's almost just matter of fact that it, it, the cross is so obscene that I think the gospel writers chose to, to, to just simply describe it in such terse, simple terms that there's not a lot of details. But you go back to Isaiah chapter 53, uh, and uh, you see uh, in Isaiah 52 as well, you see a Savior who was beaten and tortured beyond recognition. 
uh, says the Bible says that Jesus wasn't even recognized as a human being. He was so beaten and so disfigured. So we're going to get into some of that on Good Friday and just pause again uh, and just under the weight of, of uh, the agony of what Jesus endured for us. Yeah. Um, and we're going to celebrate uh, his suffering as a as the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And, and Revelation uses the term the slaughter of the lamb. Uh, slaughter is a violent graphic term, and we're going to uh, to pause just to thank the Lord again for his great mercy and for all that he endured. You know, and the Bible says he was silent before uh, his shears as, as a shepherd, uh, as a sheep before the shepherds. Um, in other words, he was he was made naked uh, before his accusers, and, and he did not speak back. He did not revile back. He, he humbly endured it all. And then, of course, we get to Sunday morning, uh, the triumph of the cross. And, you know, when we talk about the triumph of the cross, this is the most exciting part because the Bible says Jesus was satisfied uh, in that the purposes of God prospered in, in his hands. So Jesus faithfully discharged the purpose and plan of God, yeah. um, which which is amazing to see. And then, of course, what does that mean for us as believers? We're going to we're going to unpackage all of that on Resurrection Morning, the Triumph of the Cross. You're not going to want to miss it. And we really encourage you, invite people to come out. In fact, if you're watching this, share this, this uh, episode uh, with other people. We, we would love for folks to come out and be a part of the celebration. Of course, I know our worship team is getting all geared up. That's going to be incredible. Yeah. Uh, incredible time of, of, of singing and praise and celebration as we focus on the, uh, uh, the the full meaning of what it means for Christ to be resurrected from the dead and his conquering of death. So anyway, it's going to be an amazing, be amazing time. Yeah. But back, you know, we're going to talk about something today as we in this podcast that I think is incredibly important. Uh, and some of you have been trying to monitor this. It's uh, it's the Equality Act uh, that's still uh, being in play out there, passed the House, it's before the Senate right now. This is a horrific piece of legislation. Um, but we want to talk about something that, that happened even during this tournament. You know, I, I told you one of the one of the Cinderella teams uh, that made it to the Sweet 16, they came up just a bit short from going to the final eight. Um, but they were a, what, I think a 15th seed. Uh, they, a 15th seed had never had an upset in the second round. Uh, and, and yet this is what happened with Oral Roberts University. Uh, Oral Roberts University, a great evangelical, spirit-filled Christian university, came under attack by an opinion piece written by the uh, USA Today newspaper, um, basically attacking the school's Christian beliefs and saying that we should not be celebrating, you know, Oral Roberts University's success as a team on the basketball court, you know, uh, but that we should be considering kicking them out of the NCAA and that a school like Oral Roberts with, with its Christian beliefs should have no place even in the NCAA, which was shocking and should be appalling to all of us who care about religious liberty. And, you know, you might be asking, what was Oral Roberts' crime? Yeah. You know, what did they do besides yeah. go out and play great basketball? Uh, and again, uh, everybody loves the uh, the upsets and everybody loves the Cinderella. In fact, every every NCAA tournament has a Cinderella team, right? Yep. There's always somebody that does much better than than they expected. So that's actually the best part of the tournament. Oh yeah, it's the it, Cinderella. Yeah, it's because in one game anything yeah. can happen. I, I went to VCU. I remember, you know, 
Oh, decade yeah, ago I, I when VCU that. was a Cinderella team and and got all hyped. First time I cared about VCU basketball. But that was, you know, I don't care about the big dogs. I want to see the Cinderella yeah. story. Wasn't that uh, uh, was Smart the coach at the time? Uh, Shaka Smart. Shaka Smart, yeah. who's now at Texas. I think he's now going on. But but that he did so well in that tournament that, you know, if, if a coach can perform well and, and be the Cinderella team in the yeah. tournament, many times they get bigger offers from Absolutely. bigger schools. Yeah. And I, I know that happened with VCU. In fact, I yeah. remember that. Well, ORU was the school this year that, that they knocked off a couple big-name teams. I'm trying to think. It's slipping my mind well, right now. But Ohio State, right? Now, yeah, they, State. yeah, first round, number two ranked Ohio State. So mm. massive upset. And then the and then the second round was Florida. Florida, yeah. yeah. Um, and so these are two schools that came in highly ranked. And, yeah. and here ORU, out of nowhere, knocks them off. But here's what happened. Uh, USA Today, which, as you mentioned, you know, part of the reason we hate sports and we hate watching sports is because we no longer are able just to sit and enjoy the game. Now we have to have our Christian values insulted or attacked yeah. or vilified because of the uh, the woke media. Yeah, I'm not asking for them to inject any politics, my conservative politics into sports, but it's an escapism. It's for me to watch people, young people compete and watch these stories. And when they inject all these different things, man, it just turns me off. So here we go. Yeah, here we have it go again. again. There you go. Here That's we why. go again. Yeah. This uh, writer from USA Today in her editorial, she said um, that the uh, university is guilty of deeply bigoted anti-LGBTQ <laughs> policies. Uh, they can't and should not be ignored. She called uh, Oral Roberts, uh, again, founded by televangelist Oral Roberts back in 1963, um, a Christian school that upholds the values and beliefs of its fundamentalist namesake, making it not just, quote, a relic of the past, but wholly incompatible with the NCAA's own stated values on equality and inclusion. Um, and so what is the problem uh, at ORU, and why are they a relic of the past, and why are they violating the NCAA's policies? Uh, well, this is what it really comes down to. She says, twice in their handbook, Oral Roberts specifically prohibits homosexuality. Um, and here's the code of ethics. This, this is quoting directly from Oral Roberts' uh, handbook. And, you know, just so you know, we, I went to a Christian university. Uh, they had a, a, a life together statement. Basically, that life together statement was based on biblical values, and it said, you know, if you're going to go to this university, I'm paraphrasing, but we expect you to act like a Christian. <laughs> we expect this is a Christian university, and we expect Imagine you that, yeah, right. to act like a Christian. And so this is what the Oral Roberts uh, handbook on personal behavior says. Quote, students are expected to maintain the highest standards of integrity, honesty, modesty, and morality, that's a pretty good start. Mm -hmm. Certain behaviors are expressly prohibited in Scripture. So we're appealing here to the authority of the Scriptures, which again is what Christians should be doing. That's how we live our lives, under the authority of God's Word. Therefore, uh, these behaviors should be avoided by members of the university community. Here's the behaviors. Now, these all come from the Bible, right? Anybody that's a follower of Jesus knows this should not be rocket science. They include theft, lying, dishonesty, gossip, slander, backbiting. So far, so good. Mm -hmm. But now we get into some controversial 
uh, things that our cancel culture doesn't like anymore, but these are straight from Scripture. Profanity, vulgarity, including crude language, sexual promiscuity, and I want you to notice here, they don't highlight certain behaviors, you know, uh, opposed to others, including adultery. In other words, if you're married to somebody, be faithful. Homosexual behavior and premarital sex. So it's not just homosexuality or LGBTQ sins that the Bible highlights. It's all sexual uh, immorality, drunkenness, immodesty of dress, and occult practices. Now, again, anybody who's a believer in Jesus would yawn at that because it's like, of course, we're not going to act that way. Right. Um, and then she quotes the larger honor code. And she says, they mentioned saying they will not engage in homosexuality and they will not be um, united in marriage other than the marriage between one man and one woman. Oh, of course, this is biblical revelation. This is the clear teaching of scripture. Here's the pledge from Oral Roberts. I pledge at all times to keep my being, my total being under subjection from all immoral and illegal actions and communications, whether on or off campus. I will not take any illegal drugs or misuse any drugs. I will not engage in or attempt to engage in any illicit, unscriptural sexual acts, which include homosexual activity and sexual intercourse with one who is not my spouse. I will not be united in marriage other than the marriage between one man and one woman. I will not drink alcoholic beverages of any kind. I will not use tobacco. I will not engage in any other behavior that is contrary to the rules and regulations listed in the student handbook. Now, this is, I applaud Oral Roberts University. I wish there were more universities yeah. like them. They are clearly standing on scriptural ethics for marriage, scriptural ethics for sexuality, and this is why um, they're coming under attack, because it's the God of the sexual revolution versus the God of the Bible who puts actually some boundaries around sexual expression. Yeah. And basically, the scary part was, is this, uh, Oral Roberts was being accused of being steeped in, quote, bigotry and exclusionary fundamentalism. And this person was basically calling for them to not be celebrated as a Cinderella, but to be not allowed to even be in the tournament. Yeah, it's expelled from the NCAA. Yeah, like cancel culture. And uh, and this is what they said here. Um, this school is a, quote, hotbed of transphobia, homophobia. I think it's interesting. These words, by the way, transphobia, homophobia, are created, they're made-up words by proponents of that lifestyle to make us sound, you know, the phobia says that we're afraid of these people. We're not afraid of these, these folks that are practicing this lifestyle. We disagree with their lifestyle because the Bible specifically says, God specifically says that behavior is sinful. So even if these words are, are, are code words, they're, they're uh, attack words, they're, these words are bigoted words that are used against us all the time. So here, Oral Roberts is accused of being a hotbed of institutional transphobia, homophobia, with regressive sexist policies. Um, and basically, Oral Roberts, or they're saying Oral Roberts shouldn't even be allowed to be in the NCAA or being allowed in the tournament, period. Now, how do you feel about that, Pastor Andrew? <laughs> 
I mean, the, the implications of this are huge for, for those of us who are people of faith. Yeah, I mean, this stuff has been, I remember my awake, I mean, that's not shocking to me. My awakening was basically when back in, I don't remember how many years ago, when we tried to pass uh, the RIFLA, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act in yeah. Indiana, the same law that Bill Clinton signed with like 90 plus, 90 plus yeah. huge majority of both House and the Senate. Yeah, Democrats and Democrat and Republican. A few years later, when we tried to pass that law in Indiana, the whole world, corporate culture, social media come down raining upon NCAA. And NCA, yeah, I remember that was during this time, comes raining down. They just been using the NCA for their political agenda for years. Since then, I kind of stopped following it. And well, we recently saw Governor uh, Nome up in what, South Dakota came under the pressure of the NCAA to to pull out tournaments from her state yep. uh, simply because that state was looking to actually protect female females. athletes. Yeah, biological females from, from competing against yeah, from men, from from biological men. males. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and again, that's just common sense. In other words, we're trying to protect women's athletics as a whole. And, uh, and the NCAA, again, threatened to, uh, to pull out you know, their tournament. CSI. So it's, all, it's like economic terrorism is what we're seeing. If you don't abide by our ideology, we're going to punish you and cancel you. And a lot of states have fallen uh, victim to the fear of NCAA or corporate America uh, from uh, from economic threat or harm to their state. See, for me, I'm not faced by this anymore because all this does is expose us where your real allegiance lie. During that time in Indiana, I knew where our real, our states, man, our, our governor, our where their true allegiance lie is, is, in, is in money. See, see, it goes back to money. And for me, Jesus says you cannot serve God and money. The kingdom of God is very clear. If you're, if you're bottom line, you can act all Christian, say all the Christian stuff, but at the end of the day, it's about money. The, the, the Lord will allow enemy to come in and threaten what that is. If it's about economic success, you can frame it all you want. But in the day, it's about money or it's about the kingdom of God. Yeah. So, and you know, in clear. Indiana, right on the heels of Indiana, uh, I applaud the governor of North Carolina because they passed about five years ago, they passed a law that was protecting our young ladies to give them privacy in the, the bathrooms yeah. from men who are well, from their acting, cities, saying that they're city. yeah. females or whatever, identifying as females, um, you know, entering bathrooms, locker rooms, these types of things. I mean, yeah. again, this is just common sense stuff that that any any father who's raising daughters or mother raising daughters would be saying, absolutely not. Uh, and that's that state became under tremendous attack, again, from corporate America, from all the uh, LGBT bullies. PayPal. Even now, every time I use PayPal, cringe because of that. But but here's the truth. Yeah. (laughs) That governor uh, and that legislature stood up to the bullying, and what's happened, you know, after all these threats of of economic decline, and no one's going to come to our state, we're going to be viewed as mean and intolerant, all that was a bunch of nonsense. That's all the lies that the left throws out to, to bully and intimidate. The fact of the matter is North Carolina is doing incredibly well economically. They're one of the top states in economic growth. Uh, they're one of the top states in growth, period. In other words, people are moving to North Carolina because what they're finding is um, when we stand for 
biblical values, for Christian values. People want to live in an atmosphere and raise their family and be a part and work in an, an environment that upholds and supports biblical morality. In fact, we find that those states are blessed, that they prosper. Just the opposite of all the naysayers and the and the doom and gloom prognosticators, uh, they're not true. That's not true. It's all, it's all uh, uh, lies and it's all threats. Uh, but there's nothing behind it. But what we need, instead of what we saw Governor Nome do up in, in South Dakota, we need legislators who will stand for truth and who will stand for righteousness and who will not cave. Uh, but unfortunately, those those folks are, are hard to find. Yeah, and people don't understand this. Like, if someone with good faith issues wants to have a discussion with you, not common con- this article, this article is an article of condescension. You read it. Is there's no negotiation, there's no talking of comp, uh, of, of common the, sense. Listen to the language. This was this was the the adjectives used in this lady's opinion piece from USA Today magazine. Toxic, morally regressive, prejudiced, homophobic, sexist, transphobic, fundamentalist, discriminatory. You know that sounds to me not like the language of tolerance, which yeah. which they propose. That wow. that's the that is an attack piece against anybody that believes in biblical morality. Or here's that while the school has been, has been soundly mocked on social media for its archaic standards of behavior. Archaic. Okay, so so the standard of of what is right and what is true and and the temperature of what's the reality is social media. You, you got to be kidding me, because how many people because of their job and family are not spending all their energy on social media, but she's using that fake reality. This is another thing that irks me on social media. It's a good tool, but when people use that as the the the, uh, the measurement of reality, it just sets me off, because she's looking at, oh, social media, it mu- everyone must be on your team. And this is where I want to encourage Christians and says, you know what, like during all those fake crisis and fake outrage, yeah. it's just the talking heads. It's, yeah. The media makes it seem like they are so much bigger and stronger than it really is. But if you talk to people, everyday normal people, people don't care about this and people are understanding. But the problem is people don't stand up. People don't stand up and issue. And this is my point I was trying to make earlier. If you are faced with someone with a good hearted issue and they come with um, good intention, good faith, then we can negotiate. We can talk. We can try to understand each other. And that's what Christian says all the time. Don't be so hostile. Don't be so mean. Let's talk to each other. I get that to a certain degree. But when someone's coming at you with a condescending attitude and their heart and their desire is not to really understand, to learn, but to destroy you and to and to change and they have an agenda that they've been paid and they've been and that's their agenda, that's their job, that's a bully. Yeah. And you don't and you don't back down to a bully because if you back down to a bully, what does the bully do? They're gonna they're gonna back off. No, they're gonna come at you even more. They're gonna steal your lunch money. They're gonna they're gonna make you do the homework, stuff you in the locker room. It's gonna get worse and worse and worse. What do you do to a bully? You stand up to them. You yeah. said no, no more. Yeah. And that's what we need to do. Yeah. No, I agree with you one hundred percent. This is not about civil discourse. This is like a hostage negotiation situation. Yeah. It's like they have the gun to our heads, and they're like, "If you don't, if if you don't agree with us, we're going to shoot a person every every minute until you uh, agree, you know, to comply." I mean, that's the feel that we get uh, because the issue here, as you said, is larger than than uh, than civil discourse or tolerance. This is about compliance. This is like. You either succumb to the new sexual orthodoxy or we destroy you. Yeah, or robbers did not go out there in the middle of their tournament win and make this big pledge and make this big spiel about 
God and how LGBT lifestyle sinful. Yeah. No, they're just, these kids are just playing a game. Playing basketball. They're playing basketball. They're trying to win. You, and, because they're told, the proverbial toll cross, you're a little line, and you're just like, slap, nope, we got to come with it with the force of our media, our corporate media, and go at it. That's, that's why this situation yeah. is so much bigger than basketball. So much. Because you, you read between the lines, and what they're basically saying is, your Christian beliefs, your Christian values, your Bible, your Jesus, your sexual ethics are no longer welcome in public, you know, uh, polite society. You, you are a Neanderthal if you believe in biblical sexual ethics or values. In fact, she even mocked the fact that uh, in her, in her uh, piece that uh, they even made a stand against vulgarity. Like, imagine that we actually believe that the way we speak matters and that we shouldn't be talking with a potty mouth, you know, in, in public, dropping F-bombs or whatever else, that there's actually some decency that should be expressed in the way that we talk. Uh, but even these things are mocked. They're prudish. They're old-fashioned. They're relics of the past. Right. But the problem is it's not just relics of the past on the basketball court. These are The argument is if you believe these things anywhere in anything public and you go against the LGBTQ uh, new sexual ethic and morality, if you stand against transgender uh, craziness, if you believe that there's two genders only, if you believe that marriage should be between a man and a woman, if you believe that sex before marriage is wrong, if you put any boundaries around sexual expression, you are no longer welcome to function anywhere in public because you are a Neanderthal relic from the past and you will be canceled. This is huge uh, because this threatens the livelihood of Americans. This threatens the future of our children and what kind of occupations they can go into. If we don't, as you said, if we don't draw a line here in the sand and say enough, um, the implications of this are, are absolutely huge and deadly, devastating to, to future to, to religious liberty as a whole. Yeah, and, and, and again, like to me at this point, I, I still hear sometimes some Christians who don't understand, who still quoting the separation of church and state to basically says, hey, for us to not get involved, or hey, we shouldn't talk politics in the church. And it's like, again, again, it's like, we're not talking politics in the church. They are leaking in their politics into every arena of our life, including the church. Absolutely. And, and, and this is not like us trying to go out and pick a fight. This is us simply saying, no, there's a line yeah. we We've will not cross. We've been painted into a corner. Absolutely. We're not, we're not the aggressors here. <laughs> no, I'm not going out there and trying to create some cultural controversy. I'm trying to pastor a church. You two are trying to raise our kids. Yeah. But when it gets to the point in which my kids very quickly have to decide whether they're going to live. If they want to live in the kingdom of God, that means they can't be a doctor, they can't be a teacher, they can't play sports, they can't they can't be a businessman, they can't go to college, they can't really do anything. If they want to live and be a Christian and serve God and they have been cut out of all arena of their lives, yep. that's a concern for us. Absolutely. A you huge know? concern. A huge concern. Um, you know, Tony Perkins has a great quote here. He said, this isn't... Uh, this is the canary in the coal mine when it comes to religious freedom because the real goal here isn't just pushing ORU uh, to the exits. It's about driving all Bible-believing Christians, Christian education, and Christian institutions into some sort of spiritual ghetto far away from the public square. So either, either we keep our mouths shut and we don't communicate where we stand on these issues, we just, we just mind our own business in the public arena, now, or if we communicate and we stand for what we believe, which is what our Constitution uh, and our and our uh, uh, 
our, our freedoms, our, our amendments to give us the freedom of religion, right? The public religious liberty in the public arena, uh, then, then we're going to lose it all. And we just simply can't afford to sit back and be silent on this one. We right. can't sit this one out. Um, I was reading as well a great article that came out uh, about businesses. As you were saying, corporate America used to uh, align itself with Christian values because it was about lower taxes, greater economic freedom. It gave them a better environment to practice business and to make a profit and to and to uh, hire more people. And we had a growing economy. And, and so you used to find... Uh, business, the corporate arena, and Christian values lining up, you know? Not anymore because of this whole woke culture, because of the cancel culture, because of a lot of groups that are pushing. Uh, we saw this with, with the uh, MyPillow guy, uh, who's yeah. a, a strong conservative. Yeah. What, what, was Mike, what was Mike Lindell's sin? He actually questioned the integrity of this last election. Yeah, what was his sin? He wants election to have integrity. He wants to make sure even if you disagree with him, you can understand his his idea, his 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 motive that he wants an election to be complete, having complete integrity. I don't know anyone in America who can openly say oh, we don't want integrity in election. So that was his sin, right? Yeah, his sin. And how? And again, was his his questioning of the uh, election integrity? Uh, was he in the minority? No, no. most Americans still no. believe this election was. They are, they are credible evidence. You know, that's been swept under the rug by DOJ and among other people. Yeah, every one of our major institutions is supposed to uh, fight for integrity in the system. It's not that they didn't find that there, that there was no fraud. It's that they didn't want to touch it. <laughs> this might be another podcast. Yeah. Oh <laughs> oh we might get to that a little bit. Yeah. And as we talked about, if, yeah. you, if you can't trust the system. Right. You can't. You have no hope of ever uh, of ever having Cla any confidence in this. Clarence Thomas, in defending the minority position when the Supreme Court won't even accept this as a case, said, "Look, it's not even just about credible evidence. If there's just credible doubt, we need to consider evidence because we need to let the people have confidence. Just to even prove that there is no. Let the evidence come in. Let the discussion just to prove people that we everything there was no frost because that's just as important." Clarence Thomas, our Supreme Court justice, said that this is not fringe. This is this is mainstream. Yeah, this is, yeah. This is huge. So Mike yeah, Lindell yeah. basically says, "Wait a minute. Yeah. Uh, I believe there's fraud, and he, and he actually does more work than the whole Department of Justice to create, to put the evidence together to, yeah. to put forward to show that there was fraud. So what happens then? And this is what we're seeing in our in our society today. And this should concern all of us. What happened when what was that company Goya or whatever the uh, the, oh, yeah, Goya. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so so they tried to cancel Goya. What happens? Their sales went off the chart because everybody went out and bought beans. <laughs> you see, uh, Goya, the, the president of Goya made um, AOC their employee of the month. <laughs> because when she, because came, she came out against them, they made so much more money. But, but the point that was is, good. The point that is, the same one. thing happened yeah. with Mike Lindell. They, all yeah. these companies start dropping What's the matter with his pillows? Why can't you sell his pillows? Because yeah. they're canceling out him for what he yeah. stands for, which which is so wrong on every level. But what happens is his sales go up yeah. uh, because here's why. Because the typical American is speaking out in the only way we know to have our voice. You know, you said we have to do something. I think many of us are like, well, what can we yeah. do? Well, I'll go out and buy some beans yeah, from this I'll company. Pillows, right. I'll buy some pillows. I'll, I'll do whatever I can do to let to let the larger 
you know, right. media know, we right. don't support this. And I think it's why we're seeing, really we're seeing a populist movement in America. And sometimes that word populist movement is uh, viewed as bad. No, that means that the typical, normal, hardworking American who loves America, loves our values, loves our country, loves God, loves guns, loves the Bible, loves freedom, we're saying we're sick of all this woke culture. Yeah, and when you say love guns, it's not like some weird fetish. We love the fact that we are allowed to protect our own, ourselves, our family, and we're not always relying on the government for everything that we have some responsibility for, for our own, to protect ourselves. And Absolutely. that's why the Second Amendment is so important. And I've said before, you'll never be able to keep the First Amendment without the Second Amendment right. because at some point you have to stand up and fight for what you believe are your God-given liberties because we're certainly seeing those try to be ripped away from us at every time. And the voice, you know, the big cancel culture with, with, with Twitter and Facebook and all these different things. And you know what? Like, pe- that's why people create alternative uh, social media now to be able to have a voice, you know? For for me, it's like, you know what? Social media is not indicative of reality. And we got to stop thinking that way. Just because something's trending doesn't mean anything. Talk to your neighbor. Stop trusting social media. Talk to your church. Get involved in local governments. Have a voice. Those are the best ways to do it, not social media necessarily. I mean, yeah. use social media, but it's not the best way, in my opinion. But yeah. we do need to get involved. You know, this yeah. again came from a wonderful article from Family Research Council. Said there's a major wake-up call for corporate America. If these CEOs are caving out of fear, they need to realize. A, they don't have to. 61% of the business community is opposed to this political takeover. Uh, It's time to harness our strength and then push back. And uh, he says, uh, again, we don't need to be caving out of fear. And that's really where a lot of these uh, corporate corporations are and leadership in those corporations are. They don't want to be accused of being discriminatory, bigoted, because they don't want to hurt the bottom line. But as you said, there is absolutely no compromise on some of these issues, and if you keep if you keep uh, having that incremental you know accommodation uh, that we're just going to continue to give a little piece and, and try to have some type of compromise along the way, you're going to end up losing everything. <laughs> and um, and and I've I've said for for years when we were dealing with the battle here in the state of Indiana on SOGI laws and trying to find some type of of compromise. From an ideological worldview standpoint, if you have one group that stands for biblical truth and biblical sexual ethics, and you have another group that's promoting non-biblical sexual ethics, and they are diametrically opposed, there is no room for compromise. Uh, To compromise means that you give away what God has clearly said to be reality. You cannot compromise. And we found that churches that compromise end up becoming relics of the past. They end up becoming empty mausoleums because nobody goes to liberal churches that compromise the truth of God's word. Those churches are dying left and right. Where are people going to church? They're going to church at places that love the Bible, that preach the Bible, that are unashamed about biblical truth, that are not living in fear. They're not following shepherds who are cowards and who won't make stands. They're following shepherds who will make stands and will stand for what God says is to be the truth. And I'm telling you, if we don't make a stand now, because all of this is coming in the shadow, again, of the Equality Act. The Equality Act will destroy religious liberty in America as we know it. There is no going back. We this, this is our Waterloo moment. We have to draw the line in the sand, and we have to make sure that this does not become law. Uh, it's horrific. It's terrible. 
uh, we've got to do everything we can to fight against it. So, so much is at stake. Mm -hmm. And um, and again, we should be outraged again that a national uh, publication, a national newspaper, would publish such highly discriminatory and religious, you know, religiously bigoted uh, information like that. Uh, in the midst of a tournament. I mean, it's just unbelievable. If the shoe were on the other foot, there'd be outrage. Um, but it's always the shoe that's kicking us in the, in the behind uh, and trying to kick us out of the public arena. Yeah. Let me just say this too. There are a lot of Christian institutions, whether it, it be Christian universities, um, Christian uh, adoption agencies, anything with Christian as an adjective in front of it, there, there's been a lot of uh, term, uh, of push to see compromise as it relates to protecting, quote, Christian or religious institutions, but not protecting the marketplace or Christians in the marketplace. In other words, you know, if you're at a Christian uh, uh, university or a church, we'll still let you discriminate because you're you're bigots anyway, and that's what you do for a living. We'll let right? you little archaic society yeah. do your own little thing. But what they did, though, in, in compromise, is they allowed the moral high ground to be taken <laughs> right, over right. by those who hate God and who hate Scripture. So that becomes the moral high ground, and you guys are exempt. But what it means ultimately is you, you're not. we're going to let you stay in your little ghetto, your little Christian ghetto, and be bigots. But as soon as you come out of your ghetto, we will slap you. And we will shut you down and we will make you comply. So we cannot allow this type of compromise that puts us in our little Christian ghetto. We have got to refuse to be put there. And we have got to declare the truth about Jesus and his lordship and his truth about every area of our lives, including how we conduct ourselves sexually. We need to be clearly stating that homosexuality is wrong. Uh, premarital sex is wrong. Abortion is wrong. There is no room for compromise on these things. Pornography is wrong. Adultery is wrong. Um, uh, polygamy is wrong. The, these are clear moral guidelines. And, and, and it's not we're trying to impose our views on other people. It's like other people are imposing their views on us. It, this The shoe goes both ways. What we should be saying is, what is true and what leads to the greatest life possible? And we believe following Christ and following his example and following the scriptures is the pathway to abundant life. And so I appreciate your comments. <laughs> no more compromise. Uh, stand strong. Don't. And how about this? Don't be ashamed about the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. And I guess that's why, you know, as we wrap this up, I'm, I'm so excited. We are prisoners of hope. We're not here being doom and gloom prophets. We're prisoners of hope. Because when I get to the end of Isaiah chapter 53, which is where we're going to wrap up on Resurrection Sunday, yeah. what we see is that the gospel and Jesus and his sacrifice and his powerful resurrection from the dead and his exaltation to the Father's right hand, he, he is the exalted champion and reigning king of the universe. And, um, and he is coming back. Uh, in power and in glory, to vindicate uh, who he is, to vindicate the truth of God's word, to vindicate the glory of God. And here's the nutshell version. Uh, we win and Jesus wins. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so even the spirit of this podcast, we're not, we're not here today to condemn. Uh, the Bible says that Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. Um, whatever area uh, that we find ourselves straying away from the gospel, whether it's sexual 
or whether it's with our mouths or whatever that language is that, that was part of that code of ethics, right? Whatever we miss the code, God's not waiting to condemn us. He's waiting to heal us. He's waiting to forgive us. And so we would say to anybody who's living outside the parameters of, of sexual uh, in sexual sin, outside the parameters of God's moral guidelines for us, uh, the path is to turn and to repent and to come back to the Lord and to give yourself to Jesus uh, and to find hope and forgiveness while there's still time because you don't have all the time in the world. It's appointed for a man once to die and then to face judgment. Christ is coming again. He's going to judge the living and the dead. Uh, and boy, we need to run to him and submit and repent of our sins and, and enter the kingdom, Amen. which is what this podcast is all about. We need to live in the kingdom of God. Uh, so man, shine brightly. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Stand for truth in our culture today. Because the Lord knows if we fail to stand, we're going to lose a lot of our liberties, which are so precious and so unique to our uh, American experiment. Yeah, and this is the issue that a couple months ago, five months ago, I would be fretting and fearful and worried about my kids. And those are legitimate concerns, don't get me wrong. But at this point, I'm not. The reason I'm not is because the last several months, I feel like God is clearly shaking up our nation. He's proactively, I believe God proactively yeah. exposing corruption, exposing um, the junk in our hearts. And his judgment starts in the church. So my job instead of to, I mean, I'm going to be proactive. I've written my senator. I, my senator is here for me regular basis. Yeah, so be proactive. Don't just local government. I'm proactive. But at the same time, and my hope is in, in what God's doing. And my number one priority is make sure that I am happy. Because as the Lord is judging our nation, he's judging our hearts first. I want to make sure when he judges me, my heart is clean. So I need to maintain an attitude, attitude of repentance. But what he's doing, what I see is what he's doing. He's shaking. He's shaking ORU. He's shaking corporations. He's shaking the, the legislature. He's shaking the church. Yeah. And he's saying, who is really still about my kingdom? So on the, on, on the, on the, on the engagement side, I want to be engaged. But on my heart side, I want to make sure I'm watching. I want to make sure that when God shakes us, I pass the test. Yes. It's, it's not ultimately it's God's job to shake the other people, to move in people's hearts, yeah. to provide, to take care, seek first His kingdom, His righteousness, yeah. and everything else. So that hasn't changed. Yeah. So my goal again is to pursue His kingdom, not to be fearful. Make sure my heart is positioned in the attitude of repentance. And trust God. And I think God is moving powerful. Like all this stuff is happening. Social media. I don't trust any of that anymore. Oh, we have this survey that says this. Man, how did the survey turn out for you in the last election? I don't buy, I don't buy any of that anymore. I trust in the word of God. I believe God's moving. I know God's moving yeah. people. He's He's in the process of moving powerfully in our nation. I believe he's working to bring revival. We have great hopes of that, and we have great hope in Jesus still reign. He's still the king. Amen. So good word, good word. Yeah. And you know, part of part of the message of this podcast is um, <laughs> false ideologies, false worldviews will eventually implode upon themselves. I mean, yeah. bad ideas don't fit reality, and they end up crumbling. I believe, as you just said, we're we're in a great opportune time for revival in America because. All this policy that's rooted in godlessness is going to, to come unraveling yeah. at the seams. Um, the economy will struggle. People will struggle. Families will struggle. Our, 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 our liberties will be under assault. All that happens when bad ideas uh, come to fruit. And, uh, and we're, we're going to see it. We're seeing it at the, the, with the policy at the border crisis right now. Horrific, Horrific disaster. Yeah. Uh, everywhere we look with the policies of this administration, it's all hitting the fan. Yeah. And um, 
And, and again, as, as it all gets exposed, it's going to be a time for truth to, to, to come forth and for the church to shine yeah, like never and, before. And my challenge to you and the follower of Jesus Christ is, are you, what are you hanging on to? Are you hanging on to his kingdom? Are you proactively living his kingdom? Or are you still really secretly hanging on to the economy, to the government, to, to whatever, social media, whatever it is to, to, hold, to be your security, to be your source? Yeah. Because that's going to be shaken right now. And that source is going to cut up pretty soon. If this, God forbid, the Equality Act passes, man, there's going to be some major shaking. Yeah. But when we are living the kingdom of God, you know what? Everything will be fine. Amen. He says, when you focus on kingdom of God, everything else will be given unto Amen. you. So. Amen. Build your house upon the solid rock of Christ in the kingdom. And then when the waves come and everything else yep. gets destroyed, All you're still changing. standing. So yep. here's the word. We're going to be standing yeah. in Christ alone. We're going to be standing. Uh, and you can be too. We want to really encourage you to come out. This is an amazing week. Come on out and join us if you can on Friday night. Uh, for our Good Friday services. Uh, again, that's at 6 o'clock and 7.30. Yep. And then come on out on Sunday morning, three amazing services to celebrate the triumph of Jesus on the cross and his powerful resurrection and exaltation to the Father's right hand. Uh, there's nothing better in all of uh, rich Christian theology and history than Jesus and what he accomplished for us uh, on what we call Easter morning. So come on out and be a part of that. We really look forward to being with you this week. Please share this podcast with those that you think would be blessed by it. Uh, and again, we look forward to seeing you later in the week. God bless and have a great week.